0: Hi, everybody. I'm Lisa Cameron, and I'll be reading the scripture today. This is Psalm 8, verses 1 through 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. And the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, we come this morning and we confess that your name is majestic in all the earth. That your name is worthy of praise and your name is the only true name worthy of all glory and honor. So today as we come to your word... We ask for, for attentive hearts and open minds to hear you speak to us uh, through your word, uh, to center our lives on the truth of your glory and our, our, our role and our divinely given purpose uh, to reflect your goodness and glory in the world. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. So good to be with you this morning. If you were to uh, peruse the self-help section, maybe of your local bookstore or on Amazon or maybe more relevant for you, maybe scroll through some, uh, some social media influencers who are known for kind of self-help advice, you might find there's some consensus in some of the things that they say. Some of the, the normal advice is things like, follow your heart or chase your dreams. You do you. You're enough. You know, no matter what. Be true to yourself. Things like that that we hear, and the consistency seems to be through those things that our purpose in life is actually to discover ourselves by looking within, right, looking within ourselves to figure out our own identity, and then we want to build our lives then around that from what we determine within. But if we could be honest, is that really good advice? Like Elsa may sing, right? No right, no wrong, no rules for me but now I'm free, let it go, right? She may sing that, but is that really freedom, right? Sorry, Elsa. <laughs> but no, it's not freedom, right? Because if, if the determining factor for our identity is our desires, right? Don't our desires really change any given day? Often we don't even know what we want, right? Our desires are so fleeting. And that's where Psalm 8 and the word of God, I think, gives us such great wisdom today as we look to it. Because this song, this short song, written by King David, gives us wisdom not based on the latest TikTok post from maybe yesterday, but ancient wisdom about our identity and who we are and what we're designed for. And so today we're going to see that Psalm 8, it answers really our, our three most crucial questions in life. And this is your outline for today if you're a, a note taker. But three questions. Who am I? What is, why does my life matter? So who am I? Does my life matter? And what's my purpose in life? Who am I? Does my life matter? What's my purpose in life? So to answer that first question, let's look yet again at the first two verses of Psalm 8. Who am I? We'll look at the first couple of verses. It says this, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, hey babies and infants in the room, good morning by the way, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. So if you notice here, while Psalm 8 does help us answer those questions we're talking about today, David starts not with people, right? He doesn't start with us, but he starts by praising God. And why is that significant? Why is that important? Well, that's because we're never gonna understand ourselves and our place in the world until we first understand that we are created by God for his purposes, for his glory, to praise him. So when we see that statement at the beginning of that psalm, that, oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, that that may seem standard to us church people who have heard that for a long time, but you gotta think about the context of David writing that. Right In his time, that was a pretty radical statement, that he lived in a very pluralistic society where people worshipped all kinds of gods. So for David to say, how majestic is your name in all the earth, was for David to say, God, you're not just our God here in Israel, but you're the God worthy of every person in the entire world's praise. That your name is the only one that deserves honor and glory. That every person is made to know you and to praise you. And then we see in verse 2 that we have so many different promptings to glorify God. Both the massive things and even the tiny things. The seemingly infinite and the infant. Because David says that God's glory, it's, it's above the heavens. That even the skies themselves can't contain and express all that God is. But also, it's seen in babies and in infants. And I'm a dad of two young kids, three and one. So I kind of can relate to the baby's infant thing here. But one of the things I love about being a dad of, of young kids is just the, the wonder they kind of have in the world. That for them, so many things are new, and their imagination is sparked by the simplest thing. Like my son Jude, his imagination is just drawn by the moon in the sky. I'll never forget one time he's sitting outside, looking at the moon, and says, Daddy, I can't touch it. I can't touch it. Like, I want to grab the moon. Like, well, yes, son, it's it's a long ways away and it's big. But his, his imagination was captured just by the simple thing of a moon in the sky. And in their sense of awe and creation, small children, they just show us the kind of way that we are really meant to live in awe of who God is, of his glory. And that's why I think the Bible uses children as such an example of faith, like we saw in our scripture reading this morning. That in kids' dependence and their trust in their parents, they they show us how we're meant to depend on God and trust in God. And even if you look all throughout history, you'll see that God has chosen over and over again to use the weak and to use the powerless to show his power and glory. From Israel, even before that Abraham, but to Israel, to the church, He chooses to use the weak and powerless to show his glory. And in doing that, like we see in Psalm 8, he shames the arrogant. He shames the arrogance of those who would say they don't need God or they know better than God. As Psalm 8 would say, the the enemy or the avenger. And we see this so beautifully seen even in the New Testament in, in Matthew 21. There's this great story in Matthew 21 where on Palm Sunday, Jesus has made his way into Jerusalem And then he goes to the temple. He does this whole thing of running the money changers out of the temple and flipping tables and all that fun stuff. But then after that, the children, apparently who saw him enter into town, they followed him over into the temple. And they're still singing out that song they sang when he first came into the city, that Hosanna to the son of David. And the religious leaders, it's driving them crazy. They're like, Jesus, make them stop singing this out. And I love what Jesus says. He looks to the religious leaders, the guys who have the whole Old Testament probably memorized, and he says, hey, don't, don't you know your Bible? I love that. He does, he does that multiple times. Hey, don't you know in God's word, don't you know that it's written that out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? I love that. That's the ultimate Jesus juke that Jesus himself is doing because the religious leaders, in their arrogance, They couldn't see that God in the flesh was right in front of them. But from the mouths of these children, the truth was being being proclaimed, that Jesus, God himself, is here, and that he has come to save us, Hosanna, save us. And the only right response to that is to what? To praise him, to praise him and to sing to him. So for that first question, who am I? We answer that first question not by looking within. Not by looking within ourselves, but really by, by looking up. Not by looking in, but looking up to God to understand that we're made for his glory, to find our identity in him, and to praise him, to live our lives centered on him. So that's the first question. But to answer the second question, does my life matter, we got to go to verses 3 and 4. The next verses of Psalm 8 say this. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him think about david's life we know he spent years as a shepherd boy so you can imagine david laying in the field maybe at night looking up at the stars and and, and writing this song i grew up in the suburbs So I don't really have a lot of experience laying out in fields and looking up at the stars being very clear. Like light pollution kind of makes that hard. (laughs) But maybe you've been in that situation before where you've been out in a sky where there were not a lot of lights from the city. You can see the skies clearly and see the stars at night. It can make you feel really small, can't it? And in this, I had to ask our resident astrophysicist, Lucas Johnson to give me some information about helping us understand how small we really are in the universe. And here's some things that he shared with me. Let's consider two things. First, consider just how big the universe is, all right? So for my science people, you're going to love this, all right? So it takes us about three days to get to the moon with our current spacecraft, right? Now, light travels really fast, right? Light travels about 700 million miles per hour, okay, Real fast. Hard to wrap your head around that. So light gets to the moon in about 1.3 seconds. Uh, consider the sun. It would take us about three months to get to the sun. Light gets there in eight minutes. It takes, about, it takes light about four and a half years to get to the closest star to us, the Alpha Centauri system. And that would take us about 6,000 years to travel. The Milky Way galaxy is 106,000 light years wide. A light year is how far light travels in a year at 700 million miles an hour. And the Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy, is 106,000 light years wide. The closest galaxy to us, which is Andromeda, is two and a half million light years away. And the observable universe, because we really haven't, we can't see it all, but the observable universe is 94 billion. I spit there, I'm so Sorry. But it's that big a deal, 94 billion light years wide. 94 billion light years wide. We can't wrap our heads around that, but that's how massive the universe is. What about the number of stars in the universe? Well, there are about three times 10 to the 23 stars in the universe today. Now, that would mean about a million, 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 million stars. Now, that may seem like just a crazy number, but compare this for reference. That means that if you collected all the grams of salt, In all the oceans on earth, a gram being about the weight of a paperclip, take all the grams of salt in all the oceans on earth, there are six times more stars in the universe than grams of salt in all the earth's oceans. You need six more earth oceans to get to the number of stars in the universe. That's insane. It's hard to wrap your head around that, right? It, It makes you feel so small that we are honestly very small in this universe, So the question that many people ask is, well, why why does our life matter? In a universe so massive and so uncalculable, really, why why would I, little old me, matter at all? But God would tell you in his word, even here, that yes, you're you're, you're really small. (laughs) Compared to the universe, you're very small. But the truth is that God knows you intimately, and he cares for you. Because David didn't just write Psalm 8, he also wrote Psalm 139. And consider just a few verses of Psalm 139, where David says this He says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my paths and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. That the God of infinite universes, is also intimately acquainted with you and even your own thoughts. Like, how amazing is that? So ask the question, does my life matter? Yes, it does, because the God of the universe knows you and wants to have a relationship with you. And that leads us to that third question. Then what is my purpose in life? Well, we see that in verses 5 through 8. If we continue reading, David says this, that yet you have made him, him being humanity, a little lower than the heavenly beings, And crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. So, in these verses, you can't help but hear David echo all the way back to the beginning, back in Genesis 1. So consider just a few verses of Genesis 1, and we'll hear how this compares. Just verses 26 and 27 of Genesis 1 says this. It "says Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, He created them. So that means that every person then is made in the image of God, which means that we have this unique connection to God, but also means that we're intended to reflect God to all of creation. It's both a connection and a reflection. And we reflect God in a way that the rest of creation can't. But the sad truth is that even though we're all made in the image of God to reflect Him to the world, is that Instead, many of us or really all people, all humanity. We've rebelled against God, that we all have rebelled against him. Instead of looking up to him to define ourselves and find our identity, we end up looking down to creation. We look around to the things around us. And and what ends up happening? Well, we end up living more like the animals that we were made to have dominion over and less like the God that we were made to reflect and we were made in his image that we begin living lives that are cursed by this sinful hopelessness, this this brokenness, this lack of peace and no hope and no joy in life. And that's because we've all rebelled against God, that we're all now separated from him because of our sin. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story that we know in the Bible. Because I like how David Kaziah said it last week. He, He said that there's not just a few messianic psalms in the psalms, but really all 150 point us to Jesus. I love that. And that's so true in Psalm 8, that Psalm 8 itself points us back to Jesus. Because although we're made in God's image, and although we've all rebelled against him and experienced this brokenness because of that rebellion, God has not turned his back on us. Even though we've turned our back on him, he's not abandoned us. That He sent his son Jesus to live the perfect life that we could never live, to die on the cross for our sin, And to be raised in the third day to show his victory and power over sin and death. To to be the perfect man where we failed. To live in perfect obedience to the Father. To be in our place. And I love the way that the author of Hebrews takes Psalm 8 and shows us Jesus in it. Let's consider Hebrews 2, verses 5 through 9. The author of Hebrews says this. He says, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we're speaking, it has been testified somewhere. Hey, we know where, Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him. He left nothing outside his control. At present then, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So all so while we all deserve death because of our rebellion against God, and we all are spiritually dead in our sin, Jesus came to taste death for everyone, so that although we may die physically, we may live spiritually forever with him, that we may be brought back to, to spiritual life. So that instead of looking within ourselves and trying to find our own identity or looking around other people to tell us who we need to be, but instead through Jesus, we can discover and we can really recover and pursue our original design that God has made us for in the world to reflect his goodness and his glory to the whole world. And as Christians, those redeemed by Jesus, we have an even more specific mission to go and tell the whole world the good news about Jesus and what he has done for us, the way he has changed our life. And even though, like Hebrews 2 says, that that right now in the world, we understand that the world is very broken. You look online, look on the internet, very long, you understand that. We know the world is broken. We don't see everything right now in subjection to Jesus. We know that one day, King Jesus will return. That one day, he will make all things new. That he'll make all things right. And that those redeemed by Jesus will reign with him in the new heaven and new earth. We will reign with him for eternity in a creation even better than the first, and that will sing out an even better version of Psalm eight. That will sing, "O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name!" In all the new heaven, in all the new earth, in the earth, the new creation will be full of the praise centered on the God that we were made to worship, to find our identity in. So, to answer those three questions one more time, let's look at what Psalm eight says. It says, "Who am I?" or answers, "Who am I?" It says that you are created in the image of God for a relationship with him. Does my life matter? Well, yes, it matters so much because the God of the universe sent his son Jesus to die for you so that you could be forgiven and brought back into a right relationship with him. And then what is my purpose in life? Well, your purpose in life is to know God through Jesus and to go make him known to the ends of the earth. That's what we're made for. So as we close, I'll share just this quote that Derek Kidner, a scholar, uh, shared that I just love so much. He says this, that in all of God's creation, only humanity can ask the question, who are we that you are mindful of us? And only a Christian can grasp the answer to that question. Only a Christian, as we understand who we're made for. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for the truth of your word. Lord, who are you, or who are we that you are mindful of us, that even, our, even aside from how small we are, Lord, we've all rebelled and rejected you. We've all turned our back on you and said, God, we, we know better. We, we can take care of ourselves and live our own life. We don't need you. Which in doing that, we've cut ourselves off from the very source of life and the very source of who we're made to be. But in that, and even in our rejection, Lord, you have not turned your back on us. Who are we that you would come and send your son to die for us, but but out of your love and compassion and mercy, you sent Christ. And Lord, today we are so thankful, and we want to just have our joy renewed this morning, remembering that you know us, you love us, that you sent your son to die for us, even as we rebelled against you, even as your enemies. Today I pray for any person that maybe hasn't put their faith in Jesus, that today they would understand this gospel. They would stop trying to build their life and identity on on something else, maybe a person or a career or who knows what else in creation. But instead, they would seek to build their identity on you. They would find their identity in who you say they are and in what Christ has done for them. And they would find their mission and purpose in seeking to know you more and make you known to the world. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this time today. pray in Jesus' name. Amen.